Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. This is the podcast where we discuss what leadership looks like in the modern insurance business. We talk to insure tech leaders and founders, innovators and change agents from the insurance industry. We also talk to thought leaders from outside the industry, such as organizational psychologists, performance coaches and investment professionals. Anyone who can add value to the conversation on how to lead insurance businesses of the future. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. This is the host, Alex Bond. Um, We've got an exciting announcement to make. Um, Off the back of the podcast, we're exposed to many issues that are kind of topical or current, um, and some become really pervasive. And sometimes we are in the position to do something about it in our role as a recruitment business that specializes in insurtech. And one of those issues has been the lack of female leadership in insurance technology businesses. It's nothing new. It's nothing surprising. Um, We can see that the numbers are just simply not representative in the traditional insurance industry. But in a nascent industry, in in a burgeoning and growing industry, in an industry that's so exciting, it's a little bit disappointing to see that the numbers continue to not stack up. There are simply not enough female leaders in the insurance technology business. So what can we do about that? Well, look, there's no time for me to have a savior complex, but what I can do is build networks and what I can do is build platforms. And so one of those platforms we've decided to kind of launch is the flight series, the female leaders in insurance technology event series. This will be a series of events that will start in 2022. They will involve in-person events, they involve online events to encapsulate the global audience, and they are going to include some specific mentoring opportunities. So I'm excited to announce that the first of those is happening on 13th of January. That will be a London in-person event. It will be a ticketed event. um, And we get a fantastic panel of female speakers to talk about attracting talent to InsureTech. So if you're interested in InsureTech, if you're interested in discussing opportunities in InsureTech, we'd love to see you there. Please check out the FinPro website, www.wearefinpro.com for more information. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky to be joined by Lotta from Insurely. Um, Lotta, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, that's very rude of me to, to not introduce you as co-founder and COO. I, I think it's just because we, we were literally just discussing that, and uh, <laughs> sorry it escaped my knowledge, but... Um, Look, as, as we do on all the podcasts, um, I always think it's better to get the guests to introduce their own business. So if you'd be so kind as to introduce Insurely and, and what you guys do and, 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 and where the business is going. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, first, thanks for having me on this podcast. Super exciting. Um, yeah, so Insurely is an insurtech company. Um, what we're doing is we're building what we say the next big thing in insurance. Mm. Um, and what we do actually is we provide an open insurance platform that enables companies such as insurance companies and banks and fintechs and so on to build a new the next generation insurance experiences Mm -hmm. Um, and we build connectivity so we connect uh, to all the insurance companies out there and then we provide uh, one single API to these companies our customers uh, and in and they can then build like new insurance experience for their customers, the end consumers. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of, we build this open insurance platform. Uh, we give access to data, so open data. Um, and these companies can now build more frictionless experiences for their customers, which is, uh, which ha- hasn't been there before. So it's a pretty new thing. Um, and these experiences can be such as helping the consumer to switch more easily uh, or to get an overview of all your policies, for example, in one place, uh, but also like cancel an insurance and everything. And just, you still will be in the app where you started the journey. So you never leave the app. Mm. So in short, we're doing what open banking has uh, done within the banking industry. So we're similar to companies such as Tink, you know, TrueLayer, Plaid, and so on and what they've been doing in banking. So we're injecting transparency in the insurance industry. So it's, it's very exciting. Like this is a completely new thing uh, within insurance. Mm. Um, Do you think, um, I think open banking gets talked about a lot, but I honestly, I don't think, I don't think everyone knows what it means. Like, like yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think people talk about it a lot, but I think mm-hmm. yeah, if, you, if you were to ask the sort of, consumer on the street what open banking means do you think they know do you think it's even important that they know um maybe not because the most important thing is that they actually uh, are provided with better better services and are empowered as they are with open banking or open data Mm -hmm. Um, i mean that's the most important thing but also that it's done right like you need to give your consent to to actually share your personal data with another a third party uh, player, for example. So, so those things are important, but it's maybe not necessary that you actually understand the concept of open insurance or banking. Yeah, I, I think the reason I'm, I'm interested in that question is because I, I won't lie, before kind of preparing for this uh, podcast, I was thinking, well, what does it even mean? And, and then, you know, when we look, when I sort of really sort of got under the skin of it, I realised that I hadn't really thought about it much. But it's about transparency and, and data. Um, why do you think banking's been so much quicker to adopt it, and, and why is you know why has kind of insurance been so slow to adopt this kind of open banking type e- ecosystem? Yeah, uh, it's a very interesting question. Um, I mean, in general, like insurance is pretty much behind in digitalization overall. Um, and we all know this. And I think one reason for this is that the established insurance companies have had no incentive to actually make insurance more uh, transparent, more accessible or um, open and easy to understand. Um, and so it, they, haven't, uh, they haven't been driving this digitalization forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition, insurance is not as frequently used uh, kind of uh, you don't use that as often as, you know, transactional data or uh, payments and everything that's within open banking, which means this is not on top of people's mind either. Uh, so the consumer behavior hasn't been driving this uh, forward either. Um, so that's, I think that's why we have seen less innovation in this field. Uh, however, we are starting to see innovation within insurance. So now we reached a point where it's tipping over and innovation is a must. Mm-hmm. You know, we are expecting so much more as consumers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want better services and so on. And 
also uh, since it's uh, within banking now, like you can do so much more um, within banking, it's so much more accessible and so on. You expect that within insurance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we see this is changing right now and also with new players such as, you know, new insurance companies such as Hedvig in Sweden, for example, mm-hmm. Lemonade, which is similar, LeoCare and so on. So all of this is starting to change, which means the regulatory side is also reacting to this because mm-hmm. always when a consumer behavior reached to a certain point, like we want other things, then regulatory regulators also kind of help them to open up and create innovation and competition and so on. So this is all happening now. And open insurance is kind of the response to all of this. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to see more of that. I was going to ask you about regulation. Um, So when did did this business start? When did Insurly start? Um, Yeah, so we we started Insurly in 2018. Um, Actually, we started as it as a consumer platform. So uh, we wanted to build this uh, service for consumers to see all their insurance policies in one place. Mm. Um, And the reason for that was to get, to empower consumers to actually understand how they were insured. Like Mm. they lack an important insurance policy or uh, do I pay too much, for example, or like how do my situation look like? and so we did that. And through this consumer platform, we validated interest in, for the first time, kind of handle and manage your insurance uh, digitally. And uh, there was a huge interest in this. But we also realized that we want to create a true change in the industry. So we want to work with the insurance companies and banks and help them create these types of services for their customers. Yeah. And then we can actually, like unlock this whole potential in what open data can can um, can do so so that's how we started um and that was three years ago now it's it's a really like simple starting point but i, I think it, it, one of the things that this your business model highlights to me is is the lack of touch points insurance companies mm-hmm. have with their consumers so mm-hmm. it's very hard to make a product that isn't just purely driven on price if you don't have multiple touch points with that consumer so I um you know I was just thinking as you were sort of speaking I was going I've got all these insurances that I barely look at because they're not uh they're not a value of they're not a sum of money that is troubling to me like my life insurance is you know I'm relatively young so it's not that much and <laughs> I'm insured for the amount of my mortgage and my car insurance isn't a lot because I'm because I am a little bit older, so it's not very much. My car's not very much. so that they're all quite incremental amounts. Um, so it's quite difficult for anyone to build any loyalty. But I think some of that is just about the way that that even that data is held. Like it's not held in one place, so mm. it's not easy to understand. Even for someone that works in insurance, like the language used on the kind of policy documents is arcane or le- just mm. legal. So you don't. It's really difficult. I think it's really difficult for consumers to engage with insurance full stop. Um, So just even pulling it into one place. So it's kind of there is, I think it's a sort of important step. Um, I wanted to ask you about something that a previous guest said, uh, which is a bit unfair, uh, (laughs) but um, I think this is an interesting point. So previous guest had suggested that um, brokers are the true customer of the insurance market. um, And that's why we don't, offer better customer experiences. Um, 
Do, do you agree with that at all? I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I thought it was a really interesting point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, especially in the UK, um, I think that is. Um, and I definitely think that, I mean, brokers have had an effect uh, on the lack of improved customer ex- experience says mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we see now is that new insurance players, the ones I kind of mentioned before, yeah. the new insurance companies are taking back the control of the customer experience. Because mm-hmm. uh, this is the next thing to offer. Like we want convenience and we want the next level of uh, experience and features. This is what we're looking for as customers. So it's not only price anymore um, that you need to compete on. It's also convenience and just providing the best uh, yeah, I know different services that are out there. So, uh, and open insurance now, uh, since it's gonna b- become stronger and stronger, uh, this will help the new players create even more frictionless customer experiences. So, I think they really will be able to take back control over this, mm-hmm. um, and it's gonna change. And then the established insurance players will also kind of be forced to improve their um, customer experiences as well. Mm-hmm. Um, to compete with the new players and so on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not only price anymore. And we see that in all industries, like you pay more for convenience. Yeah. Uh, and it's also kind of platform driven. So mm-hmm. depending on what platforms you're using, like you want you want to access like, yeah, like everything that you need to manage, like insurance, your banking accounts, payments and everything from one single app. I mean, that's the most convenient for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is what we can, this is what the industry is gonna work more with going forward mm-hmm. um, to target the customer where they are at and like mm-hmm. uh, focus on those things instead of only price mm-hmm. uh, in a way. Yeah, I, I, that, that, who'd have thought really, I think if you'd gone back a decade and said yeah. that almost everyone I know pays Amazon, what is it 80 pounds a year or or um just to be able to get the kind of in, you know the instant delivery and 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 like I, I would have been mother's sort of person I hate paying for things like that I'm like there's no way I'm going to pay for that but I pay it every year um we've got, we've got a podcast recording interrupted yesterday because Amazon is so efficient and they turned up with like half my Christmas shopping but yeah, I think I think that mindset shift as 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 that has happened in the consumer's mind. And I talk about this a lot, that our experiences as a consumer drive our decisions even in business as well. Like I know as, a, as a, when I'm choosing business systems now, my um, my level of tolerance for things not being, um, what's the word for it? Um, intuitive, like if, if, I cannot, if I cannot access and use the system easily, yeah. then I just consider it badly designed. That's a really unfair bar, but mm-hmm. it's it's out of these kind of consumer technologies. It's it's out of working with Amazons and and the Monzo yeah. and even things like Uber. You know, like the idea of me having to phone a taxi company now is uh... a <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have completely different expectations today, and it's affecting everything around us. Mm. It's frustrating because, <laughs> I mean, not all industries can live up to our uh, expectations anymore. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, obviously, uh, one of the things that comes up when we talk about open mm-hmm. a lot is transparency. Um, yeah. But I wanted to sort of get your view on how important transparency is um, to the insurance industry, not just in kind of in principle, but 
yeah, do you, would you would you say that we haven't been transparent previously, and there's been a kind of tendency in the insurance industry to stay away from being fully transparent? Um, yeah, of course. Like, um, I mean, it, it hasn't been as transparent as it could have been, um, and it's just a combination of reasons for why that is. I would say. Um, but I mean, and transparency for me means, I, I'm, you know, the possibility to, to see, to access and share uh, insurance data. Mm -hmm. So consumers at the end can make more informed decisions. Because, I mean, today you need to, to see all the information and data to actually uh, make your own decision. And when you can't see that information, which is the uh, fact today in the insurance industry, like, as you said, like you have different policies and you... Um, you have them probably with different companies and so on. It's just hard to understand and get a grip of how your complete situation look like. Mm -hmm. and, and that contributes to, to the industry to be opaque in a way because you can't, um, you as a consumer can't make the, the best possible um, decision for you. It's, mm -hmm. um, so, and the reason for that is because they haven't been, they are not digital uh, enough <laughs> and, and it's so simple in a way, but they, of course, these companies are struggling with, with the, their like issues as IT legacy, for example, or yeah, other things. It, they are slow, slow moving and we, we know this. And that's the reason for why new players also rise because they uh, suddenly there is a chance for them to compete with these large established insurance companies. Mm. Um, mm. But I mean, <clears throat> I, I bet that they want to be more transparent. They probably don't know really how. Uh, that's like one side of this. On the other side, they uh, actually benefit from the industry not to be this the, the transparent uh, as it could be because mm. then they can raise prices yearly. You would never cancel it anyway you can't really react on that and so on because it's so hard for consumers mm. the, um, and so on so i think we need transparency in the industry um, we kind of consumers need to be able to make their own decisions um, to make sure you have the right insurance for your need mm -hmm. and that's much more important than just to like um, have the lowest prices or uh, something like that so and also transparency, meaning open data, also increases innovation. Uh, so, I mean, later on, we're gonna see uh, even better products and more probably tailored to our different needs. Mm -hmm. uh, and it could also like enable uh, competition, foster competition, so, um, which also would improve the offerings in the market and our overall situation. And that's, I think it's, a, it's very important that we, that this development uh, happen. Mm, mm. Yeah, because it's it. We had um, uh, we had had a company called Trustlayer on that are in the US, and, mm. and they provide digital proof of insurance for um, contractors and and verification of insurance that's like live into the minute. Um, and, mm. and the conversation we had was that there's a whole industry waiting, or there's not industry, but there's there's companies waiting to be born out of a platform like Insurely because of, of the different things it allows people to do. Um, that open and transparency allows you to build businesses in a different way. Um, okay. but, but I do have empathy for some of the incumbents because if you look at an incumbents, just a tech team, 
they have a different responsibility. Like their 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 tech their tech team is is largely responsible for the upkeep of, of this like monolithic, huge kind of sprawling infrastructure. And, and there's no sort of space in that team for innovative, necessarily innovative technology. Um, I don't want any angry uh, tech teams telling me that they're innovative. Like, I'm sure there's innovation happening as well, but it's just the large, the lion's share of what they're having to do is kind of work on old tech stacks and keep them going. Um, yeah. Why there's room for Hedvig and, and, and Lemonade, et cetera. Um, uh, I want to just go back to regulation because one of the biggest challenges with open anything, open insurance, open banking, is regulation. Um, I, I sort of, I, I like to have this view that it comes from writing, right? So I, I, I used to, well, I still do write. And I always think like some of the most exciting things to write are like the locked room scenario. So the restrictions you put on things drive creativity. So mm-hmm. I always think regulation drives people to be creative. Um, so I wondered kind of what impact regulations directly had on sort of product development from, from, from your perspective. Um, I mean, for us, uh, so far, regulation has not impacted our product development. I mean, um, so we base our um, services today on power of attorney and GDPR, so existing regulation. So, mm-hmm. but there will be a new regulation within open insurance. Uh, so we kind of expect the same development as within open banking and PSD2. Um, and that will hopefully um, impact us in a very good way because it's gonna force the insurance companies to open up uh, and yeah, make it easier for us to access this data as a third party provider um, and in a more structured way. So. But regulation is uh, kind of, these regulations are reactive uh, always and um, to the market for the same reasons as why we started in Charlie, like lack of innovation, lack of competition, uh, which means uh, lack of good enough services for us consumers. So the upcoming open insurance regulation will actually be to our, uh, to our benefits. Um, but we're kind of doing the same thing already. So we offered the same services today already that will be offered from more uh, players, I assume, going forward under our regulation. So for us, it's just a good thing with regulation because it also, um, I mean, our biggest risk is that there will be uh, unserious players coming in to do what we're doing and not taking this seriously, not like following GDPR when handling it and so on. So that could like become a reputational risk. Mm. Um, so a regulation would be good for us. Um, I think we're already innovating uh, very much. So I don't know if it's gonna like make us more innovative when a regulation come, but uh, maybe that's in our core. Like we're gonna continue to innovate always. Mm. We will never stagnate. We would never be Mm-hmm. Uh, like comfortable with where we are so because the market just is just starting to change so who knows how this is going to look like mm-hmm. uh, in the future and we want to like follow that path or lead the path mm-hmm. um, I, I'm interested in what you said there that innovations at our core um, mm-hmm. how do you um, how do you create a kind of uh, culture of innovation do you think how do, how do you how do you create that uh, culture of innovation within a business? 
Um, <laughs> for us, in the beginning, it has been driven by the fear of becoming uh, an insurance company or like <laughs> how they are. And uh, like, because we are operating in the insurance industry and we also come from insurance, some of us. Uh, I mean, myself, uh, I have a background as a management consultant within insurance. Uh, so that's another perspective, but we also have people from the insurance industry, um, obviously. and. And we've been when we recruited these people, we also said like it's very important that we continue to think outside of the box. Like we would never become this insurance company or this um, I don't know, you mean established player or whatever. We're gonna continue to uh, to innovate and we challenge ourselves and we have that as part of our values as well. Like continue to challenge ourselves and we we lead innovation. We don't follow. Mm-hmm. which means we're also going to have to to take that step and maybe be a little bit uncomfortable when we we say something uh, or when we, uh, I know, try a product out or like we, we're going to have to trust ourselves. And that's something that we work on internally uh, through our values. And when we recruit, like what we talk about um, in our teams and so on. Uh, and it's actually so far it's working and it's um, just highlighting that uh, thing as an important part of our uh, company culture uh, helps mm. Mm. yeah I mean I, I, I was selfishly hoping you'd say that I mean I was thinking because for me it's hiring the right people um, and yeah. but, not, but not just that you have to create a kind of safe environment for conversation and and people need to be not afraid to fail and um in front of their exactly um you know uh it instantly made me think of i i remember i was hired once to go somewhere and uh they were like we like the fact you've worked for yourself and and we want you to challenge us and and then that was very much not the case it it was and it was very clear that it was this kind of top-down hierarchical structure and and so many times I see that, that people want to talk about innovation, but if you don't create, and I hate to use this term, but essentially a safe space for innovation where, yeah. you know, not everything when you're innovating works and not everything you innovate is good. You know, there's this, but, but, but that's that you have to be allowed to fail and that needs to be part of the role. Um, otherwise I don't think you're, if you're not failing, you're not doing it right as, as far as I'm concerned. No, it's a good thing that you dare to try. And, um, and also I know uh, some companies are taking it as far as like celebrating um, the failures. Yeah. more than successes for example just yeah. to like foster that culture um we haven't uh, gone that far yet but it's a it's a i like the idea because it's it is hard to to make people feel safe in failing or in trying new ideas mm. uh, without without knowing how it's going to turn out mm. so so we we at least have that ambition and really want to build that type of culture because i think it's in the end it's going to be all about being fast uh, like fast moving like we also probably gonna have to challenge ourselves and maybe change routes once in a while mm-hmm. uh, going forward um, so yeah super important yeah and it's it's hard particularly when you've got a bunch of high achieving people in a room like society wise culturally you know yeah. 
Failure isn't celebrated. And where I think innovation is particularly interesting is that innovation is that really magic space at work where it's kind of between work and play because it's, it's, it's creativity within business and, and creativity, there's no kind of, you can, I'm sure some brilliant consultant will tell me that there's a perfect formula for creating you know, <laughs> innovation, but realistically, it's a creative part of the process. So there's, there has to be room for that bit of magic. So yeah, I like that idea of celebrating failures. I'm not sure how I'd adopt it in my business because that just means I'm not making money. Um, I, I, I wanted to talk to you about partnerships because um, I, I obviously saw in the news that you guys are partnering with Hedvig. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to, I thought that was interesting and quite telling because obviously they're a very modern insurance business, very digital first. It makes sense that you would do that partnership um has there been a lack of engagement from like the established insurers uh, have you struggled to kind of penetrate those yeah it's um i mean naturally it's been easier for us to partner up with new insurers like hedvig um and also mid-sized companies early on uh because these companies are struggling to take market share from the established players um they're more innovative um of course uh, to their core and they also strive constantly to improve their uh, features and offerings. They're also moving faster and have less tech legacy and so on. So, I mean, in with Hedvig, for example, it took them like three weeks to implement our services, which is uh, enormously fast. Um, but I mean, we actually see now that these established uh, insurance companies are reacting. Um, and I think it's, in one way, because open insurance as a concept and term is becoming more mature. Uh, they know that this will happen. So they are they need to make investment in this um, area anyways. Like they can't just sit and wait any longer. Mm. Uh, it's going too far. And then they are also actually seeing things moving like the these new insurance companies are actually creating a, a change now in the industry they are taking customers from the incumbents mm-hmm. uh, and they can probably already feel that it doesn't take too much to too large volumes to 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 um, to, uh, to ah to see that change sorry yeah. um and so, so now we, we actually see a bigger demand from established uh, players as well. Uh, and we're actually going live with some exciting partnerships uh, here after uh, New Year's. Mm. So that's going to be very exciting. Um, and after that, it's going to be even easier to, to also uh, continue to partner up with even bigger insurance companies and so on. Because it's also... Uh, trust game like they need to to trust us in being this serious uh, open insurance platform then and the easiest way to do that is that another um, uh, strong brand just partner up with us so like one partnership at a time it's going to be easier easier to target the enterprise uh, segment uh, obviously um, but yeah it's interesting because we actually we see them reacting now uh, it took a few years but uh, they are going to jump on this train as well. Uh, and that's what we see within open banking. I mean, n- now it's a hygiene factor to, to have the open banking services yeah. uh, in your bank app. So 
I think we're going to see the same development uh, within insurance. Yeah. And the bigger insurance companies have even more to gain because they already sit on like all the, they sit on so much data and to just add this other layer and category of data would make them very powerful mm-hmm. uh, in a way. So they really want this data as well. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting about mm-hmm. the legacy insurers that, 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 that they're, su- they're such a prominent position that every incremental win is, is the magnitude of that is, is, is enormous. So yeah. um, it's, um, but yeah, that, that, that sort of um, time served, I always talk about in insurance, there's always been a thing that, you know, that mm. the, the, the trust is built over time and, and particularly with the kind of, um, with the incumbent class. Because geographically, where, where, are you, where are you focused? Um, are, you, are, you, are you just focused on the kind of the local market? Where, where, do, you, where do you target business? Um, I mean, we started up in Sweden um, and we covered the, the whole Swedish market um, when it comes to data coverage. Uh, but we are also in Denmark and Norway, so the Nordics, and we're about to enter the UK as well. So uh, taking market by market. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I was wondering if it's a specific challenge as well with, with, with partnering, because the Swedish insurance market, not that I know, I've done some work there, not very much, mm-hmm. but, but it's, you know, you've got a small number of, of very big players that dominate the market, if I'm, if I'm correct. So yeah. sort of... Um, yeah, you've got you've only got about three to go at to start with uh, the, the the big the big players. So I imagine that's quite challenging. Yeah, exactly. And but it, and I think um, I mean in all markets that we enter, uh, the go to market strategy would be to uh, to work with new insurance and mid size companies first. Yeah. Uh, and build up a business and um, yeah and trust, and then we're gonna target the bigger players, and that's gonna come naturally. Um, so yeah, so that's why we kind of expand to new markets while also being becoming stronger in the Nordics at the same time. Mm. So that's like a natural um, expansion strategy. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, I just ask you what what makes a what what makes a good insurer partner? Um, now you've done a few. What 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 makes it work for you? Um, except what we just talked about like new insurance companies are easier in the beginning and so on um, the companies that have strong ambassadors uh, for new technologies and as we talked about like there are more innovative and want to try new things mm-hmm. um, those companies are like the best partners for us because then we uh, can work closely together with these ambassadors and like create the best type of um, customer experience for them like and really help them succeed with these mm-hmm. uh, features and uh, so they kind of need to have realized that they want and need to adapt to their customers new and changing needs I mean that's the first um, criteria kind of mm-hmm. um, and then what we want to do is to partner up with insurance companies that offer great products and have an attitude to actually do good for consumers uh, and I mean, most companies are doing that. Obviously, they are cr- creating uh, good insurance products for for us, uh, all the people out there. But um, I mean, there are also companies maybe doing less good, like, and we prefer not to work with those. Like, we want to really create a good change in this industry. So, mm-hmm. so that's another thing. But 
otherwise than that, the strong ambassador thing is the most important. Uh, I mean, all of the bigger companies have tech leg legacy, so that's uh, inevitable. Like we can't do anything about that. So our strategy is instead instead to build the best type of products and like they are easy to implement. Like we provide an API, but we also package that into different modules that can be implemented easier. Um, and we really help them with design guides and so on, on how to implement this in the best possible way. Yeah. So we are very developer friendly and we kind of work closely together with these companies mm. uh, to help them succeed and build success cases. So it's easy for next one and so on. Mm. So that's also the strategy. Mm. I was going to ask you about like moduling and, and things. Is, is there mm -hmm. a specific, you know, because the open nature is essentially enabling the insurer or near insurer to create their own customer experiences or, 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 um, or products. Mm -hmm. Is there any particular theme of the specific things that they're getting there? What, what are the experiences that they're creating? Is, is there a common theme or they, or are they all kind of approaching things in slightly different ways? Yeah, no, it's very like, we have a few use cases that most, uh, uh, companies are using um, and like one uh, is the our what we call the switching service which is what Hedwig is using for example uh, so the whole uh, idea is to make it easier for consumers to switch their insurance policy to another yeah. meaning like we create a frictionless um, uh, customer journey so in this in this use case they can actually like collect their existing insurance policy because normally you have a home insurance already, but you want to like explore new offerings. Uh, so you can like look at that and, and then compare that with this new offering in the Hedvig app in this case. So you never leave the app and they can also autofill a lot of information for you. Uh, so we reduce all the typical sharm points, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and they know the expiration date of your existing insurance. So they can also say, okay, you, your new one should start at this date. They also get all the um, uh, relevant information to cancel your existing insurance for you. So just the whole um, experience becomes so much better. So mm -hmm. that increases conversion a lot for these players. Because mm -hmm. uh, otherwise you would have to leave the app to find out like when should it start or like, what did I have now again? Like, I don't remember what I'm switching from or, you know, this insecurity leaves you hanging kind of, you never like check out in the end. So, yeah. so that's uh, one typical uh, feature. Uh, another one is the insurance manager as we call it. So it's the feature where you can see all your policies in one place. Yeah. And that's uh, very interesting for insurance companies with several line, personal lines. So since it's so expensive to acquire new customers today, uh, once they acquired a customer, they want to sell more policies to you. So if they let you see, it's a transparency thing because they also like, uh, seems to be <laughs> transparent in letting you collect your other insurance policies mm. uh, to, their, to their interface. So, but then they can target you with better offerings, uh, lower prices perhaps, or better products. Uh, but also if you, yeah, we can see that you lack uh, a life insurance, for example, mm. uh, blah, blah, blah. And then they can target you with that. So yeah, sure. it's a very good thing to sell more 
insurance policy. Yeah, I mean, it's this. It's something we've discussed. Um, discussed previously, like mm. the 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 openness thing of that. Like my life insurance. There's nothing that's not my life insurance um, provider. Also, just letting me keep my motor insurance data on there, and 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 then potentially like either doing a partnership where they could tell me. I, I just think that kind of culture of kind of oh your life insurance is here and then your car insurance is here is mm. so antiquated and, and and as a consumer is is why I don't engage with it at all. Um, um, yeah, it, but, yeah, sorry. No, uh, sorry. Yeah, but and the biggest benefit here is that companies can be more relevant when targeting you because yeah. it's not like your interest in insurance is going to increase due to open data and so on but it, i mean they can be more relevant so they can target you when you actually can change your policy or when something is when something is changing in your life for example and be uh, truly relevant because then it's actually interesting to you mm. well, the, for, the, one of the big things that i talk about is that even for someone that works in the industry when i'm being asked to make decisions on how much coverage i want like oh mm -hmm. how much like home contents cover do you want well, I don't know what the average claim is. Like, what's the average claim? Like, you know, if you could tell me what's the average claim for a person of my age and my income, then maybe that gives me a gauge. But otherwise, we're just filling in these numbers of which we don't really understand. Um, and even small business, uh, you know, small business insurance, like uh, I have to get professional indemnity cover for my business. I don't know how much professional indemnity cover I'm supposed to get. You know, I, what's the average claim against someone in my profession? I don't know. So it's all about that kind of information that insurers have and they don't share. Um, but but it's not because they don't want to. It's the, the technology hasn't been there to do so. So the frictionless sharing of data is, is hugely important. Exactly. Uh, and you're onto something there because do uh, later on is to show benchmarks, for example. So you can yeah when you are looking at a new offering then you can like okay but this is how what other people are choosing this amount is the most common one for people like you mm -hmm. so we can start doing that profiling which is going to be very helpful because you don't know and like it's it's so hard to choose exactly right because you never know what's going to happen mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. yeah and this and we're, we're people that understand the market you know let alone mm -hmm. yeah I don't know. Um, it brings me back to this. Uh, we've kind of touched on this. So, um, and I think you said like people are prepared to pay for a better experience though. Um, I suppose the cynic in me, particularly when you're looking at entering the UK market, UK's famously been very price you know, sensitive um, and it's price driven. Can you have yeah. that rich, richer customer experience and low price? Is that is that possible, or 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 do we are we are we going to see prices go up, but people tolerate it because the experience is going to be better? Um, no, I actually think uh, companies can offer both. Like these neo insurance payers are also offering low lower prices, mm. uh, perhaps as a like an initial pricing strategy. But I mean, they can start learning. Uh, based on the data that they actually collect uh, and aggregate, they can start learning and optimize prices sooner uh, than they would have had uh, if they need to collect like historical data over years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So they can faster start and compete on prices as well while offering more convenience and better services. So these players, as we also see them grow pretty fast, I mean, they have a long 
way to go to become as big as these established players, but they're going to be uh, threatening them eventually mm-hmm. when they offer both better price and products and convenience because mm-hmm. they can, because they, they know how to leverage data mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and act on that. Yeah, and that's always been the big the big threat, I think. Um, well, Lotta, I always like to look forward. Um, so uh, is is 2022 going to see the UK launch or what, what, what are we going to see in 2022 from you guys? Um, I definitely hope so. Uh, so that's the initial plan. Um, so we're starting to build uh, our services in the UK right now. Um, so, and we're looking to, we hope to realize, um, to release and launch uh, our first partnerships here uh, in 2022. Um, we will see exactly when, but hopefully before summer. So, awesome. so uh, stay tuned for that. <laughs> well, look. <laughs> Um, that's super exciting and, and and when you're smashing it out of the park of the UK we'd love to have you back but look thank you so much for being a guest I really appreciate your time thank you thank you so much for having me you're welcome As always, this podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, often simply known as FinPro. FinPro is an executive recruitment business working in the insurance and insure tech space on an international basis. If you would like to find out more about FinPro, please visit our website, www.wearefinpro.com or our FinPro company page on LinkedIn. I've been your host, Alex Bond, and I would personally love to connect with anyone who is interested in the changing world of insurance. So feel free to reach out to me directly, um, either on LinkedIn or via my email, uh, alex at wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and I hope to see you back next week. Thank you.